Will you pray with me, please? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Sunday morning and for this opportunity to worship you in spirit and truth. We pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit, that our lives, our hearts, our minds would be open to the message you have in store for us through your word and encourage us as your church to reach out to those around us with your love. May your triune blessing be upon us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator, redeemer, and sanctifier of our souls and bodies as we worship you and as we receive this message today. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Friends, you may be seated. This is a, perhaps a pivotal Sunday for us as we are coming to the end of Epiphany, that season in the church where, where God reveals to us who his son is, Jesus Christ, after his birth and baptism. And as we are preparing to enter into a season of Lent with Ash Wednesday this coming Wednesday, services at 9.30 and 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary with the imposition of ashes and the reception of Holy Communion. But this Sunday stands at this pivot point, Transfiguration Sunday. This Sunday also for us is the conclusion of our sermon series on our values and vision as a congregation. And our values has been in the works for about two years as we have gathered together as God's people to pray, to discuss and discern who we are as a people of God as a congregation, who we have been in the past, and who God wants us to be in the present as we move forward as a family of faith. So by way of review, I would like us to just briefly glimpse at these values that we have reestablished for ourselves as a congregation and school. These values we hope and pray are easily remembered and easily communicated to others and gratefully received by those who are interested and perhaps even intrigued by who we are as a people of God here at St. Lawrence. The first value statement is this. Let's read it together. Jesus and his word are what everyone needs for life and salvation. I love, love, love that the first word in our value statements is Jesus. It all begins with Jesus. And as we know, as a body of believers in Jesus, Jesus Christ is the reason for our eternal salvation, but Jesus Christ and his word of truth and promise for our lives are what we need each and every day of our Christian lives. Jesus and his word are what we need, not just for eternal life, but for every day in life. Value number two, let's read this together. Our whole family grows closer to Jesus here. We do hope that we are a congregation that has meaningful ministry for perhaps most every person who comes in our midst. That as you look around, you'll see someone who's like you in age and stage, You'll be able to connect, to relate with them, share in life and ministry with them, and join with them as we worship, serve alongside each other, and witness the difference Christ has made in our lives. A part of this vision statement is also our school ministry, realizing that our children and grandchildren have an opportunity to be formed in the Christian faith through our day school and through our preschool as well, and that they will draw closer to Jesus and understand who Jesus Christ is as their Lord and Savior as they grow and mature in the Christian faith. Value number three. Together, we honor God with meaningful relationships and beautiful experiences paramount of which is weekend worship. This gathering together 
of brothers and sisters in Christ around God's word and his sacraments of baptism and holy communion. We believe that it's through this word and sacrament of Christ that our lives are changed here in time and also prepared for eternity where God gives us his love and forgiveness through Christ to receive for ourselves and then to share with others. In addition to worship, we also have a number of studies, special events, and conferences through which we believe the Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us for greater service in God's kingdom and to help us reach out and connect with others and show them the difference Christ has made in our lives, that they too would consider Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as well. It's very difficult for me not to preach a mini-sermon on each of these value statements. So if I keep going on and on about a particular value and don't get to the rest of the message, you have to say, preacher, move on. You guys are so polite. (laughs) Value statement number four. Together, we embrace a pioneer spirit. This taps into the missionary zeal of our congregation This whole idea of founding this church and this community that was built upon a combination of religious liberty and economic opportunity and freedom to have a place of our own and to fully and freely share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a people group that we did not know. Sharing Jesus' love with them. This pioneer spirit, I believe, continues to live on in the DNA of our congregation and is still alive and at work in our church here and now. As we look to not only our congregation, but also our community and beyond to share the grace and truth of Jesus with others. We pray that we will continue to be a place that will show others just how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. Embracing our mission statement and this pioneer spirit that we've been given. So that brings us to this sermon and this message today. What will be our vision for the future as a congregation? And to do that, instead of starting with this person ascended up high on this pulpit speaking to you as the congregation, we are going to start the vision just as we started the values. We're going to start with Jesus. We're going to follow him up a mountain and we're going to see what happens on this mount of transfiguration. Jesus brings with him Peter, James, and John, part of this inner circle of the disciples. Sometimes he's teaching and training the 12, sometimes it's the 72, sometimes it's just the crowd and the followers of Jesus. But this time, as Jesus is wont to do, he takes with him that inner circle of Peter, James, and John, takes them up high on this mountain, and there, in this majestic and miraculous moment, Jesus is changed before their eyes. His face shines bright like the sun. Can you look at the sun? Sure you can, but it will have an impact on your eyes, absolutely. His clothes are dazzling, bright or white. There's something different about Jesus, something remarkable, something overwhelming. And as this as as if his this excuse me and as this if this were not enough in addition to this how's that jesus face changes his clothes change and then all of a sudden moses and elijah appear with the lord moses representing the law of the lord the conditions that god demanded of his people whom he saved 
from slavery in Egypt, to be as witnesses and representatives to the rest of the world that there is a God in Israel. And Elijah representing the prophets of the Old Testament. This good news that God would restore his people, that he would continue to be their God and they would continue to be his people through the ministry of the coming Messiah, this promised Savior of the Old Testament. Moses is there. Elijah is there. And then Peter, James, and John are witnesses to this. Eyewitnesses, Peter would record in his epistle. And Peter, not necessarily knowing what he was saying in the moment, perhaps, says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let's camp out. Let's stay right here. They've received this glimpse of the glory of God. Yes, they are overwhelmed, perhaps excited, but they know there's something special and significant about it. Let's just stay right here. Lord, I'll make three tents. I'll set them up right now. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then as Peter is talking, as this is all happening, this cloud comes and descends upon them, this bright cloud. Clouds we understand from the Old Testament, especially from those first five books of Moses, Exodus and Deuteronomy, that the Lord would often appear to the people in a cloud and lead them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. This cloud signifying the presence of the Lord God among his people. And of course, from this cloud, a voice. A voice that would affirm who Jesus was as the true Son of God and promised Savior of the world, which is the point of this passage in Matthew 17. This voice declares, this is my chosen one whom I love. Listen to him. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And with that voice and seeing that cloud, and perhaps still excited and overwhelmed by the changing nature of Jesus and the presence of Moses and Elijah, Peter, James, and John fall face down on the ground, terrified, overwhelmed, frightened. And Jesus does something here that I think is significant, that I've missed so many times when reading through this passage. And I'm thankful for opportunities to slow down sometimes, to read and reflect on God's word. I believe the Holy Spirit uses those moments to share new insight with us that we might have missed before. Same message, of course, but new insights for you and for me to apply. Jesus goes down, reaches out to them, and touches them. And in that moment, Peter, James, and John receive a different perspective. They're not overwhelmed. They're not frightened. G Peter, James, and John receive that peace from the Lord that only Jesus can give. And Peter, James, and John receive power. Power to understand a little bit more about who Jesus is and what he would have them do in their lives and ministry with others. Jesus touches them and says, rise and have no fear. And as Peter, James, and John look up, no more cloud, no more Elijah, no more Moses, just Jesus. The touch of Jesus. Doesn't that touch of Jesus do the same in our lives as well? 
when Jesus touches you with his word that's proclaimed week in and week out through worship, or when you read it and study it and share it and discuss it amongst yourselves during the week, doesn't Jesus touch you with that proclamation of truth that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, that we cannot save ourselves, but we need a source outside of ourselves to come to us and share that message of love and forgiveness and then guide us with that word of truth for our lives? Doesn't Jesus also touch us with that peace that passes all human understanding when he shares his sacraments with us? In baptism, giving the gifts of faith, forgiveness, and eternal life through Christ, or through the Lord's Supper, when we taste with our mouths the very body and blood of Christ, in, with, and under that bread and wine that assures us of our sins forgiven, removes all guilt and shame for our lives, encourages and strengthens our faith, and unites us as a body of believers in Jesus. And doesn't the touch of Jesus give us that gift of the Holy Spirit? The power to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The power to understand who he is as our Savior and as our Lord. And the power also to follow him and his word and will for our lives. The touch of Jesus giving us perspective, peace, and power. Just like Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Friends, it's this touch of Jesus that I would like us to consider to share with others as a congregation. We have received it. We are grateful for this. And I believe that God is asking us to share that with others. One of the questions that we've been asking as we consider our future vision as a congregation is this. Who would Jesus have us reach for the sake of his kingdom? And as we were praying about this and discussing this and, um, and processing this question, I thought of, wow, is this... Is this a third world country overseas that's impoverished that we could assist in some way with our generosity? Is this a group of people or a population perhaps in Saginaw that we could continue to assist and support? I'm thinking about the Life Clinic or perhaps the Saginaw City Rescue Mission. Is this another group of people that we could minister to in the name of Jesus, maybe down south in Flint or in Metro Detroit, much like we do with our Franklin Avenue Mission, which is now the Flint Mission Network? By the way, we need a few more volunteers for the Franklin Avenue mission to deliver food and to serve food for folks in need in that area when it's our time to, again, uh, take that responsibility on. More news on that to come. But who would Jesus have us reach for the sake of his kingdom here in our time, in our place? And as we prayed and as we discussed this and as we were guided through this process, it wasn't folks so far away. It wasn't necessarily folks from out of town, but it was people that God was pointing to us here in our midst. People that might not live inside the city limits of Frankenmuth, but they are with us day in and day out. They work and serve alongside us in our businesses, shops, stores, restaurants. They are hardworking people. As I thought about their ethnicity, I thought, are they a different, are they a different character? Are they a different kind? Are they, uh, are they white, black? Uh, and, uh, and as we're looking at this, it could be certainly any type of ethnicity, but they're probably someone who's white. Are they a boy or a girl? Are they a man or a woman? They're probably a woman. Are they married or single? They're probably single. Are they dating? Perhaps. Do they have a living boyfriend? We're not sure. Do they have children? I think that they do. They are hardworking working. 
They want good things for their family. They're trying to make ends meet. They're trying to do right by their children. And they're wondering if there's a community of faith that's close to them, that would support them, that would come alongside them, that would befriend them, that would be there for them in a time of need. These are the folks that I believe God is pointing us to who are in our midst that I think time to time we might be missing. We probably recognize them by face, but we perhaps don't know them by name. And we do serve them. They are here with us in our congregation in school. But I believe God is calling us to be a bit more intentional about our focus in serving these hardworking people that share life with us in this community. I do believe that God is calling St. Lawrence to be a place and a people to minister to those in our midst who might believe differently or behave differently than we do. And of course, sharing God's love with them, loving them and leading them into a closer relationship with Jesus. Friends, this is going to mean that we have folks in mind who are in our midst that we might be missing as we plan and prepare for worship, as we provide studies, as we consider service times and opportunities, and also as we consider where ministry happens. All ministry is not word and sacrament ministry. But all ministry can lead to word and sacrament ministry. And a lot of the ministry that we're going to be engaged with will certainly include ministry on our campus, but will also include ministry off campus as we reach out to the love of God to folks in need who are around us. You know the beautiful thing about this is I believe that God has been preparing for us to do this together. And I believe that we have enough love as a people of God to share with others around us. I believe that we have enough capacity and bandwidth as people to invite one more person to the table in our family of faith. And I believe that we have the perspective, peace, and power of Jesus to reach out and share the touch of Jesus with those around us by what we do and by what we say, through our attitude and action, and certainly through the ministries of our congregation and school. May God be with us and bless us in this endeavor as he has been with us in the past, may he be with us in the present as we look to the future and connect more and more people to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, with the touch of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.